This is Football Friday with Monty in the morning. Need the info so you can turn your money into more money? Money, money, money. NFL and NCAA locks are coming up. Make money, money, make money, money, make. Football Friday has you covered. Now, here's Monty. Hey, hey, indeed it is a Football Friday, baby. October 1st, 2021. I said, uh... Hey, MFers, it's October 1st. Yeah, it's October 1st already. Can you believe that? It is October 1st. We're getting a day closer to Thanksgiving, which obviously is the uh, most enjoyable holiday of the year. Hell yeah, we'll be in Hawaii for uh, Thanksgiving. What an incredible month we have ahead. Let's get lit. We've got to get you ready for BYU and Utah State. It's been a long week. It has. A huge week in the Pac-12. Um, tons of NFL locks for you. Um, yeah, we got a lot going on on the show today. And we have to start with Kyle Whittingham. So this is a big topic. This is a big one. If you are a fan of the Pac-12, times are going to be changing. And I think we need to realize this because Kyle Whittingham is one of the most important figures in the history of football in the state of Utah. And it certainly looks like the ride is coming to an end. I think we've all seen um, the tumult of the last two years at Utah, Um, especially the last year, uh, two players being, um, you know, shot to death. You have multiple tragedies, the wear and tear that is so obvious on the face of Kyle Whittingham, the lack of enthusiasm, the lack of energy and results in the program at Utah. Jake, I wonder, are we watching the end of an era at Utah football? Yeah, I mean, it's always a matter of time. You never know when when it's going to happen or how quickly it's going to happen or anything. You never really know. But, yeah, I do believe that we are uh, we are watching the beginning of the end right now. And I, and I think, you know, the, the reason I say that personally is because I, I don't see the, the energy in the program. I don't see the consistency that we're used to in the program. And I think that starts from the top down. Um, and I think wit is the, is the very top of the program, obviously. And, and yes, there has been a lot of tragedy in the program. Absolutely. And that definitely plays a role, but I think wit has just been there for so long now that I think, you know, it, it's probably getting to that time where for him, I think he's probably, you know, in a place where he's ready to kind of do the next thing in his life. You know, he's not getting any younger. So yeah, I, I think, yes, we are seeing the beginning of the end. And I think if you're a Utah fan, you have to try to enjoy, uh, what is it, the last seven or eight games you got left on the schedule with this with this current setup. I don't know how you change this. I don't know how you change what's been going on at Utah because I also think that you have a situation where I don't know how you don't struggle if you're Kyle Whittingham. With what's gone on in the program, obviously with the Ty Jordan situation, the Aaron Lowe situation, um, in his personal life he's had losses. Like You just see the days ticking off the face of Kyle Whittingham. And I don't know if the right word is need a change, but something, as we've talked about all year, is wrong at Utah. And you know, over the last several days, just talking to people, talking to boosters, talking to people around the program, you just get the sense that it's it's over. That's the that's the phrase that keeps coming up that at Utah football, it's over. What we have known for 
a, oh, a decade plus yeah. in Kyle Whittingham is coming to an end. And I don't know that people have truly stopped to think about what Witt means to that program and, and what Kyle Whittingham has meant to football in the state of Utah. The, the the development of Utah into a, a you know a true P P five power a Pac twelve front runner, all of that seems so unlikely when he arrived. His time starting at BYU, like just all of the history that is built into the Whittingham name when it comes to football in the state of Utah, Witt's indelible impression on the rivalry. The dominance of the rivalry, the dominance of, of Kyle Whittingham in the rivalry, all of these things that we have seen for so long that I think on some level, a lot of Utah fans have taken for granted. And how would you not? Because winning has just become so consistent up on the hill. And now that that is likely coming to an end, because you don't have this many rumors and this much conversation yeah. about somebody's future just to have the status quo remain. It doesn't feel like that, Jake. And I, I, I think there's no other way to say it that we've we've likely taken Kyle Winningham for granted. Oh, I think there's no doubt. I think I, I think you look around the Pac twelve and the simple question is whether the program has uh as much reliability as Utah has really had. You know, I feel like, you know, we talk about Washington a lot on this show. Um, when Chris Peterson left that program, you know, you, you see what happens. And I, and I think that's really the prime example of this whole situation uh, on the Hill. It, it is a situation where you've got old reliable and Kyle Whittingham coming to the end of his time. And I think it's really uh, a tough thing. I think, you know, as a um, if you're a fan of Utah football, you you don't know what the future holds. I I think it's very it would be very easy for this program to to return to mediocrity and and not being great once Wit leaves. But but who the hell knows? Who knows who's going to step up? Who knows who they hire? But I think at the end of the day, really, what the conversation is now is that is that this team I kind of feel like is just grinding out the rest of this year, and it just it, it just it is what it is. You know, that's just where things are at. And when you look at well, can they win the South or can they do, you know, can they can they potentially make a push for a college football playoff spot or something? I that's I just don't think that that's where this program is at. I think it started with the loss in the Holy War and I think it just continues. You know, you like look at the Washington State game. They were down, you know, they they were losing that game and and you come back and and win it. So there's still fight left in the players, but I don't think that this program, just from a quality standpoint, is where it usually is, which is which is really sad. And I think, you know, with when you look at the landscape of sports in the state of Utah, I think, um, you know, we're going to get to everything that happened in the radio landscape here in a while. But I think when you look at just the general big picture, 50,000 foot view, when Kyle Winningham does inevitably leave Utah, that is going to change the landscape forever. And I and I think you can't put a price on that. I think you can't put a uh, you can't measure how much that's going to affect. You know just how just right. how much that's going to affect the landscape. So yeah, I think it, it. You know, yes, we need to enjoy Wit while he's still the coach at, at Utah. But but at the same time, I can tell you now, it's not going to be some glorious end to to his time based on where the program's at. I just think we're we're. We're past that now, enjoying Kyle Whittingham or appreciating. I, look, I, I think we're past that. We're watching a guy, um, in my opinion, that is a shell of what he, he used to be emotionally. 
And I don't know how all of this happened. I, I mean, obviously the shootings, you, you can't go through that. You can't have two of your, your players die in the span of a year and not have that impact your soul. That's going to happen. The thing is, there, there's, there's something happening with Kyle Whittingham. Nobody seems to know what that is, but everybody agree, seems to agree that there's something there. If you don't have the energy and if you don't have the momentum, it's very difficult to win football games. And you've seen Kyle Winningham shedding tears over the last several weeks. Um, you felt like this was supposed to be that year where Utah broke out, dominated the South, played for a Rose Bowl berth. You know, like you felt like this was supposed to be that year and nothing has gone to plan. Nothing has gone to form. Charlie Brewer was an abject failure at Utah. He quit the team. Your starting quarterback quit the team, just walked out. How is that possible? That doesn't happen under Kyle Whittingham, right? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know when we've seen a defense under Kyle Whittingham with so many question marks. And that's the thing that is, that's the thing that's shocking. The hallmarks of Kyle Whittingham football teams are no longer in place. Like yeah. that's the thing where where you just you don't know how to process all of this that's going on. Yeah, how are they so undisciplined? How are they how is the defense not not what it what it's always been? And this is how it happens too. Like, you know, I've thought about this a lot. This is how it always happens in football. You know, you look at uh it, it's like, you know, whether you're at the pro level or the college level, you know, what when when a coach either falls off their game or however however you want to describe it, right? When they're just not the same guy that they used to be, all these things start to happen that you're just not used to, which is why you lose the Holy War or or you struggle against Washington State or, you know, any of these things. So it just is it, – it, it's a really sad thing because I think Utah football is – even if you're a BYU fan, even if you grew up in Provo and have never left the state of Utah and don't, you know, literally are just – this is your bubble – like, even if you're that person, you, you surely have to respect what Utah has done. Uh, I'm sorry, what Witt has done for Utah. So I, it's just a sad thing. Well, I mean, even if you're a BYU fan, I mean, obviously Kyle Whittingham's a BYU alum. Um, and I don't think that's at all a secret or lost on anybody. But I just look at this situation. Kyle Whittingham's done something at Utah that's very difficult to transition from Mountain Least to the Pac-12 and do it well and win consistently is very hard to do. The scale up in talent, as BYU is about to find out, the scale up in talent to go from the mountain, which is just a putrid league, yeah, to the Pac-12 is massive. It, it, it You have to add so much talent. But what's shocking about this Utah football team is it seems to lack talent. It seems to lack a true number one running back. It seems to lack top three wide receivers. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's stunning to me that Britton Covey's your number one wide receiver. And I don't take anything away from Britton Covey in saying that. He's not a take-the-top-off-the-defense guy. He's not a burner guy. He's an undersized slot receiver. Right. That I mean, I think everybody agrees with that. I don't think that Brant Keithy has taken a step forward this year. I don't think he I think his performance is a little surprising. Yeah. 
you know, hell, he may not even be the number one tight end target on this team right now. Like it is, it the the offensive line is terrible. It's not good. The defensive line is average. This, I mean, Devin Lloyd is that defense. They're making mistakes on defense that you just don't see Kyle Whittingham defenses make. Is that because Witt's not focused? Is that because he's got his mind somewhere else? I don't know. I have no idea. It's shocking the level that this team has fallen to because you just never see this kind of – and maybe this is how it happens. I don't know. It is. You know, maybe – yeah. Maybe, it is how it happens. Maybe like, this is how it happens. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. And, I, and I, Well, let me preface that. So I think, you know, with all the tragedy that's happened in the program, that's not typically how things happen, right? We need to first no. say that. You yeah. Know? So, like, I think, I think with the tragedy that's happened, you know, with this program – I think it has sped up the process. I think it's facilitated Kyle Whittingham really struggling, um, you know, mentally and emotionally. I think it's just re very difficult on a human being when you're losing kids like that. That's just not easy to deal with. So that's number one. But then number two, um, in terms of how this happens, yeah, I, I this does happen. Like, you look at, um, you know, any example you want to use. I don't have one off the top of my head, but you have a great coach who just comes to the end of the line. And the end of the line sometimes is a hard stop. The end of the line sometimes yeah. can be a painful, uh, miserable uh, end. And and so I just think that for the the rest of this season, if you're a Utah fan, um, I would I would kind of tamper your expectations and just try to enjoy what time we have left because because to your point, everything that we're hearing from you know some of the people we know inside the program is that is that this is probably you know, probably it. He's coming up to the finish line here. Well, and of course, Ace is losing his mind on Instagram. Um, Vanish mode. Yeah, essentially saying, um, yeah, before you get to sh shining knob for BYU, of course you would rip Wit and Utah. How are we at all ripping Wit and Utah? Yeah, we're not ripping anybody. What are you talking about? Like, I, I think the thing that is so surprising is, again, and maybe this is the NBA and the Jazz conversation, whatever. We tell me what we've said here that's been at all disrespectful. I don't think there's a Utah fan right now who's happy with how 2021 has gone. Nobody. I don't think Wit's happy about it. I don't uh, well, think anybody's that, that happy much about is it. pretty damn obvious. Yeah. Wit's not happy about it. But I think at some point, all great stories have a final chapter. Yeah. And if this is it for Kyle Whittingham, I don't see. I was talking to like four or five guys last night. I don't see Kyle Whittingham quitting in the middle of the season. Um, there were rumors that he was going to announce there was going to be a major announcement from Utah football today. I don't think that's happening. I really don't. Um, I think they're in a bye week. I think they will come back to work next week and be ready to rock and roll. Yeah. I think this Aaron Lowe situation has just taken the wind out of everybody's sails. And I think that he Kyle Whittingham is is processing that. I don't see Wick quitting in the middle of the season. I just don't. He is a player's coach. He is a guy that cares deeply about his players. If we've learned nothing from the Ty Jordan, Aaron Lowe, you know, situations, it's that Kyle Whittingham loves and cares about each one of his guys. Yeah. And, you know, Ty Jordan obviously was a, was a stud. He was your number one. Aaron Lowe was a, a depth defensive back. That's what Aaron Lowe was. And Kyle Whittingham's soul is being drained out of his body over that situation. That's a guy who cares about his players. Right. When you see, you know, the stories about Kyle Whittingham crying with with Aaron Lowe's mom and 
Kyle Whittingham is a soulful, caring human being. Yeah. I don't see him quitting in the middle of a season. I don't. Um, I think after the season's over, yeah, I could see Kyle Whittingham retiring. I could. He's not young um, in, in terms of coaching. He's in his middle 60s. So I, I could absolutely see that happening. Um, you know, I, I just think it's a very difficult situation. Yeah, it's painful. You know, it, it's it, rough. It, the whole thing sucks. Dane says, morning, boys. Explosive Pocky says, hello, when's the giveaway? <laughs> Old reliable. <laughs> Old reliable. The giveaway is it is it 2,500 subscribers. Um, we are currently at uh, 2,282. Uh-huh. So we picked up 20-something from yesterday. I want more. We pick up about 20-something, 15 to 20 every day. Yeah. So we've got like 218 subscribers to go. Then we'll give away the Traeger Smoker. Ten days. Then we'll give away, yeah, something like that. Then we'll give away the Xbox. Um, you need to, in order to win the Traeger or the Xbox, you need to get into uh, the drawing by taking a photo that you're subscribed, tagging SLC Supercars or The Monty Show on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. The Monty Show on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. SLC Supercars, even though he drives a beat-up Subaru that's a rust bucket where bolts are falling off of it. And he SLC wakes up the Supercars. And he pisses off the neighbors. Jake yeah. pulls up and a little pee comes out. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, SLC Supercars. Yeah. He actually has one of the nicest Subaru WRXs in the state, but whatever. Um, with blue swing arms on it. Yeah. Okay. That's you know, fun. just me. Cobb tuned and everything. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, uh, take a picture, post it on social, the Monty show SLC supercars, and you're entered to win. Uh, by the way, if you're here right now, please give us a thumbs up and hit like Spencer Morgan. What is up with you? Edgar Garcia says, my boys, let's get it. Happy Hello. Friday. Uh, Spencer Morgan says, yep, it's definitely on the downhill. I think they need to snatch up Jay Hill before somebody else does. Greg Hawkins, good morning to you. He says, hey, fellas. The Blind Swordsman DS says, it's very sad. I wouldn't wish the tragedies they have had on my worst enemy. No, of course not. I mean, I, I think when you look at what Kyle Winningham and the Utes have been through over the last year with, with the death of two players, I mean, no. Um, Greg Hawkins says, even if Whittingham retires after this season, I'll always be grateful for what he did for our program. Such a great coach. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, he just is a guy that if you handed his resume to any coach, they'd be thrilled to have it. I mean, football is not what makes Kyle Whittingham great. He is a really good human. He is a really good human. That's what makes Kyle Whittingham great. Uh, Spencer says, I wouldn't characterize Utah under wit as a, as great. I would characterize them as consistently good. So yes, you're right. A slide back down the lower level is certainly possible, but I also think there's a high, higher ceiling. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think Kyle Whittingham's failure as a football coach at Utah is he's never had one of the best offenses in the conference. He has always had the best defense in the conference. They have never had the best offense. And it's hurt they, them in recruiting a lot. Yeah, they've never had a prolific quarterback. They've never had, you know, Ty was going to be, Ty Jordan uh, was easily going to be the best running back in the conference this season. Unfortunately, the tr- in tragedy strikes. Yeah, But you've never had, I mean, what you think, of, I go back to Kenny Scott and Drez Anderson. I mean, those two guys, you know, with, 
you know, uh, Murphy at tight end, like that was a good core of receivers, Jake Murphy. And I mean, that was a good core of receivers, but that still wasn't even close to the best group in the, in the, in the conference. Yeah. Right. Like they've, they're Kyle Whittingham's failures have always been a lack of, of offense. And I agree with you. No top quarterback. Jackson Dart was never going to Utah. It's never happening. And I think that's, you know, that that's a possible, you know, that that's a possible change in the program that could happen when, when Witt finally does, you know, call it quits or move on or however you want to word it. But, you know, I just think right now it, you just have to maybe enjoy is not even the word, but just almost like, like savor Witt's last days almost, you know, as, as Utah coach. Like, I think it just, you just have to do that because you're not going to find a lot of guys like him. And the question is, how do you replace Kyle Whittingham? Because I don't think it's Morgan Scally. I could be wrong. I don't think, you know, I was I was thinking about this too. Like, I don't think you replace a guy like Kyle Whittingham. I don't think you, 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 you're going to ever find somebody who, who has his quality. You might find someone who's better at footballing. Sure. Maybe, maybe there's someone out there who, who can put together a better offense or, you know, is more skilled yeah. or whatever. But yeah. I don't, I just don't think that, um, you know, it, it's not at Utah. It's not all about winning. Like winning is definitely important. It is definitely high up the ladder, but I also think this whole thing about like, you know, a great maker of men and great culture and like a disciplined program. Like yeah. I think those things really matter too. Well, and I, I think that, if I'm Utah and Kyle Whittingham retires at the end of this year, I'm going outside the program. I just think Morgan Scally, the scandal with Scally, I I, I think is too much. I, I mean, Jay Hill's a nice name, but I, I think you have to go and get somebody that, you know, frankly, is a killer as a recruiter. I mean, I think you got to go – like, I mean, the first call I would make is Chris Peterson. Yeah. I mean, that's a, the first guy I would call. I don't know. Does he want to come to Utah? He, obviously, you know, that's a guy that is a, you know, a, a a mountain guy. You know, obviously at Boise, obviously at, Boise. at Washington. Uh, before that, where was he? UC Davis, I think. Uh, Sac State, maybe. Um, Chris Peterson would be an ideal fit. That's who I'd go and get. Because he can call any high school coach in in Utah, and he can win a recruiting battle. Yeah, and that's important because you can't go hire some nobody assistant off the East Coast and think they're going to win the recruiting battle in Utah. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah, um, you need somebody. If you're going outside the program, you need a heavy hitter. But let's not let's not surmise replacements until we need a replacement yeah. in Utah. Yeah, because that's how you're disrespecting Kyle Whittingham, in my opinion. Matt Turley says, "Longtime listener on YouTube, rarely can I get on live as a big BYU fan." I couldn't feel worse for Utah. Man, it'll be tough to see Whittingham go. What a great era of Utah football. The best era of Utah football, in my opinion. And I think when you look at uh, what he's accomplished, it's nothing short of remarkable. Uh, Spencer says the defense has taken a statistical step back ever since Scally took over. It's not just this year, but it's the past. They were better at controlling time of possession offensively. Yeah. They, you know, for everything that his plotting methodical offenses were um, and were not, they were always good at controlling the, the the clock. Yes. I do agree that under Morgan, the defense has taken a step back. I do. And I wonder how much of, you know, how much of Sharif Shaw and the drama in his personal life with his wife and on the Real Housewives and the, the indictment <laughs> and, you know, she claims they were nearly divorced. Like, 
it seems like everybody's got something going on in that program. And I think you have got to 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 calm the waters there. Yes. You know, like you just yes. it seems like there's been so much drama around different guys in that. I mean the the Morgan Scally drama alone was enough to last you the rest of Witt's career. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, the 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 shootings and the Sharif Shaw's and I just He's all dealt of with this. a lot, dude. I mean, all let's be honest. Yeah. He's dealt I mean, with a lot. You can't tell me, and I'm not even being dramatic about this. You can't tell me the Real Housewives of Salt Lake thing is good for Utah football. Because I just don't think it is. To have one of your, your top recruiters and coaches in that kind of focus where there is high drama, illegality, federal indictments in your one of your top coaches' families, and you, you think that's not a problem? <laughs> I think this is that is not good for Utah football. I I really don't, man. And I, I just I, I think that's exactly the right way. I, there's been so much drama. Yeah. There's been so much drama in SLC. It's yeah. kind of hard being Kyle Witt. Double W H I T T. That's a Snoop. See, I was rapping anyway. Um, point is. First day of the month, boys. Let's go, Gabe Ledley says. Yes. It's Friday. Let's Finally. go. Graham Ormy says, Meyer and Witt have turned Utah into one of the most desirable jobs in the West. Whenever Coach Witt leaves, they'll be just fine. I hope so. They'll be able to hire. There's no doubt about that. There is no doubt about that. Greg Hawkins says, it's hard. I don't think there would be a ton of peer interest in Utah. But we could make a good hire. I like Jay Hill. You really don't think there would be a lot of interest in the University of Utah football head coaching job. Top-notch facilities, brand-new renovated stadium, an administration that clearly stands behind the program, yeah, a community that supports the program, a rabid fan base, a passionate fan base. A path to the college football playoff. You have a, a, booster, a, a booster base that you know puts money into the program. You have – you have huge money in the alumni. You're a institution of higher learning. What are you talking about? I think it'd be. A, I think, yeah, it's, I think it'd be pretty solid. Uh, absolutely, um, absolutely. Uh, Chris Carn says when K. Witt retires, I would like to see him run out the BYU alumni flag at the next BYU Utah game. Stop, stop, Chris. <laughs> Why gaslight an entire state like that? Uh, Why would you do that, Chris? That would be. <laughs> by the way, that would that would. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Can you imagine? All uh, gas, no break. Spencer Morgan says, yeah, Ken Scott was great. So underutilized. He was one of the best bad deep ball catchers that we've ever seen. I mean, he you could just put the ball anywhere in the paint and that guy go up and get it. I, I love and – and Kenny Scott is such a good dude. He is one of the my favorite. But that's what I mean. It, how, many, how many guys come out of the Utah program and you're like, yeah, that, that guy – He's a really good dude. Like how many of the like that program under wit just produces good human beings. And I think yeah. I know that that the nice guy doesn't always win and Kyle Whittingham hasn't, you know, won national championships and stuff, but but I think, you know, he'll be damned if if his program isn't putting out good human beings. And and I think yeah. that that to me when when I think about all the scandals and things that have gone on and you know, all that stuff you were just talking about, none of that is attached to wit. Like it's not. And and I think that's the that's the biggest thing on his resume, you know, as or his career, you know, when we look back. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
you know. I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, Gabe Ledley says, when I accomplish 20% more than everyone else, crush it on Fridays. Friday's a big day. Now, for us, <clears throat> as sales professionals, uh, we work at Yelp. Um, we build small business for Yelp. And Friday usually is either like you earn time off or, but it's a very good point. If you close two, one, two deals on Friday, you're, you're ahead of half the, half the field. Yeah. Now for a guy who, uh, you know, finished number one in the company this month, you know, what's up motherfuckers. And I'm a bad motherfucker, you know? Yeah, you did. You did. Number one in the building, three straight months. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Matt Turley says Aaron Roderick could be a Utah head coach candidate if they really want to fix the offense, but maybe he's locked in uh, Texas. I, guys, I'm telling yeah. you, it's not here right now. Like, go outside, of, go outside of the circle, man. Go outside. You, you know, again, I look at a guy like Kalani Sataki. Kalani's a rare breed because he was destined for that job. Like he, that he was the perfect fit in the right place at the right time. How many guys at Utah are that guy? Yeah. I'm telling you, go get a Chris Peterson. That he's going to be available. He's going to be sitting there waiting for your phone call if Witt retires. And again, I don't want to keep talking about who's replacing Kyle Whittingham when he's still got the job. I, I It's terribly uncouth and disrespectful. I just don't think we should do it. All right. Speaking of Kalani Sataki. Yeah. Kalani Sataki! Is in Logan, Utah right now. Oh, okay. Because BYU and Utah State are going to play for the old wagon wheel tonight. <laughs> BYU is a nine and a half point favorite. The number is 63 and a half. Let me shock you. And maybe you don't know this. I don't know. Utah State is five and 62 all time versus AP top 25 opponents. Owned. Five, can you believe that? Five Final. And five, right? Five and Bro, 62? Can of whoop ass, dude. Five and 62, all time against AP top 25. Utah State is running a two quarterback system, which means, Jake. Don't have any quarterbacks. You have no quarterbacks. Logan Bonner needs to be the guy, and they need to figure out who they are offensively. Because the problem is, Utah State gives up 31 points a game. Mm. So the question is, who's the starting quarterback tonight? Now, most people and I believe it's going to be Jaron Hall. Should there be any resonating conversations about Baylor Romney starting? No. You don't think so? Nope. Nope. Because Jaron hasn't played poorly enough to lose a job. Yeah, but when you come in and throw the ball down the field the way he did, Baylor. Yeah, but it's not like Jaron can't throw the ball down the field. Like, he, I mean, Oh, come on. To two totally different styles. Yeah, I get it. I Listen, we need to have this out. You're a Baylor Romney guy. I'm telling you he's the backup. It's uh, that simple, dude, but, in terms of culture on listen, the team. I'm telling you that Jaron Hall is a fine quarterback. But when you come in and you inflict Romney on Romney crime the way they did on USF, when you come in and you are in full command of the offense and you clearly had the attention in the huddle and you came out and confidently sliced and diced, what's a pretty mediocre defense at USF? Doesn't matter. He still did it. But Utah State ain't much better than USF. Now, they play faster. And this is a big question about Utah State tonight. How fast and maybe too fast does Utah State play? Because if they give up 31, 
they got to score 40 to win. Yeah. And that didn't happen against Blossom State. And it's definitely not happening against BYU. And that ain't happening when you have your two best defensive linemen coming back. When you're in a situation where you're going to get Mahe and Batty back on the defensive line, when you're in a situation where your linebackers are, are downhill, even without your best boy being in the lineup, your linebackers are playing fast physical football downhill, this be why your defense is going to eat tonight. Yeah. The question is, how long will it take the BYU defense to adjust to the change of pace and the and and fifth gear that Utah State likes to play at? Well, I guess that's all going to come down to the question of how much does Utah State execute? So I'm telling you right now, Logan Bonner has got to execute. He played terrible football against Boston State. Mm-hmm. He was not good. And when he's not good and the other guy is not good, that's not good. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Really, really professional breakdown there. I guess Utah State <laughs> will struggle in the red zone as usual. Because yeah. I think, I think 25-yard line to 25-yard line, Utah State's going to have their way. They love to throw those screens. They love to play the short out game against BYU's soft defense. Because you know that BYU loves to give up everything in front of them, prevent the big play. Well, that plays right into what Utah State does offensively, right? They love those out. They love those quick releases. They love running after the catch. So 25-yard line to 25-yard line, they're going to have their way. Funny thing happens when you get into the blue zone. (laughs) When you get into the red zone, you can't run those plays because screens to the flat don't work. Because guess what? The DB doesn't have to cover 80 yards anymore. He's got to cover 20. And in most cases, all he's got to do is cover 10 yards. So you don't have the time and space. Oh, and then all of a sudden you got to execute. And you better make your field goals. Because I don't see Utah State scoring a whole lot of points against BYU, Jake. Yeah. But my biggest question is, what if, what if, Jaron Hall, A, doesn't play, or B, does not play well. Then Baylor's coming in. Simple as that. And I mean, I, I think, I think you know, I, I, I think, you know, what last week showed us is, yeah, Baylor is more than capable. There's no doubt about it, but I just am a big believer that, that Jaron won the job. And I think that, you know, he should not be penalized for having an injury. You should just admit that you want Baylor Romney to start. Like, I, just, I admit just, that. Like, I've talked about it for a like, week. I just, it, it, it's ridiculous to me that this is even a conversation. It shouldn't I, even be a conversation. I am a guy who firmly believes you have to run a system that plays to the strength of your skill position players. Your best players on offense are always your skill position players. There is no doubt that they have five legitimate Options on the outside. The Nakua brothers, Romney on Romney crime. I'm telling you, you've got to have Isaac Rex involved in every drive. Like last week, what was the biggest issue? The defense couldn't get off the field. So I think then they only have like seven possessions or something stupid like that. Yeah. My point is, you got to throw the football. And in college football, when you have a guy like, like Baylor Romney who can absolutely take the top off a of defense, there's value in giving him an opportunity to do so. But Jaron Hall's the number one quarterback at BYU. I don't dispute that. I'm not saying he should lose his job. But if there is even the slightest hesitancy, 
you got to you you've got to go back to Romney on Romney crime. You have to because this is not a game. And hear me out on this. This is not a game that can be a one-score game in the fourth quarter. No. It's not. No. You've got Wise State next week. <laughs> and then you got to go to 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 face the Wackos in Waco. David Korash. Wow. You've got to go to Waco and take on <laughs> Baylor. I just threw it out there because David Korash. David Korash. Wow. He that wow. all happened in Waco. Uh you gotta go to, to Waco to take on Baylor. I'm telling you right now, this is not a game that you can risk. You need to take the wagon wheel and beat them over the head with it. Yeah. And I mean put them put them a foot into the ground. Make and and there was this big controversy on Twitter yesterday. Oh, my God. How can you just state? Oh, call BYU a rival. Twitter's been going crazy. Yeah, some nothing writer dude on some blog out there in the, you know, pornosphere wrote that that Utah State views BYU the way BYU views Utah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, and the problem is what? I don't know. But people freak the fuck out on it. Let me tell you something. This is Utah State's game of the year. They want the wagon wheel. They want to be able to go hang it on the wall in their 25,000-seat stadium with that cute little glass building in the end zone. Woohoo! Not tonight, my friends. Maybe next year. Good luck with that. My point is, BYU's coming out for that ass. I'm telling you now that the first three drives of this game will determine the entire game. Because if Utah State goes up and down the field and you got to burn a timeout to to get your, your beef eaters up front some wind, it's going to be a long night. It's going to be a long night. If BYU comes out, gets after the quarterback, reminds the quarterback how badly they suck and how good the defensive line is and how bad Utah State's offensive line is and we're better than you and we're bigger than you and we're more physical than you and we're going to come out and break your spirit, it's going to be a long night for the Aggies. There's going to be yeah. a lot of Aggie tears and Logan tonight. Woo! Anyway, my point is 38-20 BYU. BYU wing covers and it goes under. I don't know. I did not smoke crack today, but it sure does feel like I did. Wow. Your thoughts on wow. this game? 38-20. Damn. Bro. 38-20 BYU uh. over Utah State. Wing cover under. Crack, ice, boom, pow. Yeah, listen, man. Uh, I agree. I think this is going to be an ass kicking. Drink some more caffeinated yeah. beverage. Yeah, go ahead and drink some more caffeinated beverage there, stud. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be an ass kicking handed out by BYU. I think that, that, you know, I agree the first couple possessions are always important, but at the end of the day, uh, BYU is a better team. They have better talent overall across yes. the board, and, and they should dominate this game. Uh, I think the quarterback situation is something to look for in this game. I think. You know, I, I agree. You know, there it should not be a long leash for Jaron. I think that, you know, he, he is your number one. But I think, yeah, I mean, if he were to, you know, throw a pick in this game or if he were to not look uh, up to it, you know, if he were to – if he just doesn't play well, then, yeah, I think you've got a guy in Baylor who is ready to go and clearly has shown you that. And I think for Kalani Sataki, that's the best position to be in, you know, and, and that's yeah. a great problem to have. So, yeah, I agree. Um 38 points seems a little lofty for this for this team. 30. But 
Um, I, I, I would well, say. Well, if Jaron Hall is playing, I agree with you. I should yeah, probably, I know. He sucks. I He's should not probably a good go quarterback. to like 10 I know. Point, 10 yeah. 6 BYU. I know. The, the offense starting, doesn't work with him. Jaron yeah, starting, it. I think it'll be a field goal game 9 to 3. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, we get it. Jaron can't play football. We get it. Anyway, all right. Uh, no, I'm 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 going 31-21. That's what I feel like is reasonable. This game probably won't be close regardless of BYU's starter. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says Jaron is the better quarterback. He won the job. I don't think – it. you can really sit here and say unequivocally, Jaron Hall's a better quarterback than Baylor Romney. He's a better runner, but he's not a better thrower. So, we'll he's see. Not, he's not – no, he's not. Sorry. Uh, I don't think so. Um, I, I, 38-20 feels right to me. Okay. I think I think BYU is exponentially more talented than Utah. This isn't the Taysom Bronco Mendenhall who, by the way, did you see U, U, UVA hang on? I mean, by the skin on Bronco's chin. What is wrong with the Miami Hurricanes? Will they ever be a football team again? No. God, dog. No. Uh, anyway. This isn't Taysom and Bronco trying to beat Utah State and Taysom losing both of his feet and his legs. This is a different – this is – the issue at, at Utah State right now is Gare isn't there anymore. Gary Anderson, that was the top of the mountain. Yeah. And then your AD left. And, and Gary left, and wow, that was a disaster. Then your AD left, and you've never been the same, right? You've never been the same. You've changed head coaches, you've done this, you've done that, you changed the turf, you tugged your mom like you prayed to Jesus, <laughs> and you're still Utah State, right? Nice wagon wheel. Yeah, that's a cute little wagon wheel. Put plastic on it. And Anyway, the point is, the point is, the wagon wheel is staying in Provo. They don't even need to bring that effing thing up there. I mean, it's staying in Provo. This BYU team is not your uncle's BYU team. This is a team that is way more talented. They are exceptionally well coached. You, they are because they're disciplined. Um, they, they are at the right space at the right time. They uh, look at how well the defense controls the gaps. I mean, you, you look at how important the defensive line is to any defense, especially one that that plays to prevent the big play. This defensive line has been very good at gap control. Um, the linebackers, again, I love the the pace that the linebackers play at. I, I think you have questions in the secondary. I don't know. Can you cover one-on-one? I have no idea. We'll find out in Waco in two weeks. Yeah. Oh, that is if you beat if you beat USU and Boise State. 38-20. I'm sticking with it. Okay. 31-21. BYU. Ain't going to happen that way, boy. Uh, Oregon State is at Stanford. Or Oregon, excuse me. Ooh. Oregon, the Ducks. The Cristobals. Mario Cristobal. What a dick. Uh, he is at Stanford. It's Friday, man. Uh, You're welcome. Oregon at Stanford. Uh, go Ducks. Quackity quack. Uh, minus eight. Oregon is an eight-point favorite. The number's 57 and a half. You love Oregon. Yeah. You bought I a bunch it, of green stuff. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's called money. Uh -huh. Um yeah. I I caught you petting ducks at the lake last night. Really? Um Oregon's an eight point favorite in this game. Yeah. Oregon's better than Stanford. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. I don't love Oregon on the road. I am that guy. 
I know you're going to find yeah, this we surprising. Know. We you're going to be shocked. We know. I'm discounting the Ohio State win. Uh-huh. It's a nice win. It's in the horseshoe. Stanford's never been the easiest place for Oregon to go and win. This is going to be a close game. Now, as a betting man, which I'm not, I'm going to take Oregon to win this game. But I'm going to take Stanford to cover. And I don't think there's any chance this game gets over 57 and a half. I, I, I don't know what Stanford would have to do. And maybe you have some, you know, mental machinations about how you feel this game will go. I'm a man. <laughs> um, but uh, my feeling is, is that this is going to be a pretty close game. And when I look at, you know, like the, the way that Stanford plays football. Yeah. I just don't know how they're going to hold up their end of the bargain if this thing's going to get to 58, 59, 60 points. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like yep. Oregon or, or Oregon can do that. But when you look at the fact that Stanford scored 24 in a loss to UCLA, 20 or 41 against Vandy, 42 at USC. It's USC. They're still defensive. 40. Still 40. But they scored seven against Kansas State. I don't think we know who this offense is. And I'll tell you, last week at the Rose Bowl, or at home, that game was at the farm against UCLA. McKee wasn't bad. 300 Uh yards and three scores. But are you doing that? In all seriousness, are you doing that against Oregon's defense? Yeah, because I think they're going to run all over. You do. I, I think I think that uh, I I think Oregon is is going to uh, run a lot in this game. I think Verdell is going to get loose. I think that and that's going to fuel the uh, take the top off the defense game. Uh, I I think any time that Oregon and we saw it in the, we saw it in the Ohio State game. We've seen it in several of their games where. You know, whether they're throwing it out into the flat and getting things going or they're just simply handing it off and saying, hey, we're better than you, um, you know, they're going to get it going in the running game. And once that happens, that's when Oregon's offense really starts to take off. So, you know, when you're watching this game, I think that's that's what I'm looking for. The, th- the problem I have with, with Stanford is I don't think they can consistently run the ball. No. I, re- I really don't. I don't think they can consistently do anything, which is why they're Stanford. That's the problem. They're not. They're not a team where you're like, man, this team every time is gonna, is just gonna come down and own us, you know. Like that's not who Stanford yeah. is, and I, and I think you know the other thing too, you know, we've been we've had many discussions about about UCLA versus Oregon, you know, and what these two teams are and who's a more legit team and who who's more reliable based on the performances they've had. Well, got news for Oregon, UCLA went up and did this thing, you know, they yeah. they've won the game already, so. Now it's time for Oregon to answer the bell and, and take care of business. And I think that's why this is a huge game. I do not love this game for Oregon. I don't. I, I think this can be a very close game. This feels like one of those 24-21, 27-24. Is Oregon losing in this game? No, I think Oregon's going to win. But, man, I just feel like Stanford gets under the number. No, I but mean, do you think that Oregon's going to have to come like from behind? You think they're, that oh, they're I think down that's very game? possible. They're, they're gonna, it's going to be one possession in the fourth quarter. I, I think that is – and any time that you're – again, not to go back to Virginia-Miami last night, but any time you rely on a field goal – Yeah, it's never a good thing. I feel like that's where Oregon's going to be in this game because, uh, again, I know it's it's one thirty in the afternoon, uh, you know, 12.30 local time kickoff. Like, you're going to be fine, yeah. 
but it stand at home you can get away with that. When you're on the road, it's you're not, not like going to sleep far. well. Yep, yeah, but, but you're sleeping in a hotel the night before. You're not going to sleep well. It's not like you're going to get a nap in. Well, I slept like crap last night. Well, but we're going to walk through. Then you're going to go take a nap. You're going to be at the stadium at nine in the morning. You're going to be like you're going to sleep like crap in a hotel. You're going to get up. It's an early game. You know, you're usually playing 2K at this time of day. <laughs> I don't love this game for Oregon at all. I think they're going to win, but boy, they're going to have a chance to lose this game. Um, I like this 27-24 Oregon. Yeah, I just I just see it differently. I I think that Oregon is just superior. That's what I think. I, I think if if Oregon if Oregon is the team that beat Ohio State, then this should Oregon this should not is be superior. This should not be anything that is um anything that really that really tests them or really concerns them. You know, um. So to me, score wise, this is a to me this is more of a touchdown game. Like I would look at like a 28-21 or you know, uh, uh, a 24-17, that kind of a game Ooh. where they're in control. Uh, they're not blowing Stanford out, but they're in Ooh. control and handle business. Wow. We're, we're, on, we're on different sides of every one of these games so far. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, we view BYU and Utah State completely different. I just don't think BYU's got enough offense to put up 38. When you play Baylor Romney, you do. When you play Baylor Romney, you do. Okay, cool. They're not playing Baylor Romney. Son of a biscuit sandwich. Do you want to go blow the guy while you're at it? Would you, think, would you enjoy that? No, it's an honor code violation. Oh, right. Um, My bad. Sorry. Sorry. ASU My bad. ASU at UCLA. This got very serious. Uh, ASU at UCLA. UCLA's a three-point favorite. The number's only 55 and a half. Man, what the hell are you talking about? 55 and a half. Uh-huh. For one of the best offenses in UCLA in the conference. This game is prime time. Prime time. Yeah. 7.30 at the Rose Bowl. And UCLA is only favored by three. What did you say the overall was? 55 and a half. Yeah, that's... that's that does yeah, not seem... That's not enough. This is a 60 for sure. Right? It's a 60-piece for sure, dude. 60-piece nugget, I bro! Want, I want my six... Dude, why do you have to bring up chicken nuggets? My wife asked me the other day. I love chicken. We nuggets. generally eat pretty well. Yeah. Right. We don't eat fast food. We didn't wind up doing our burger challenge because you got blown off on your date. Right. Uh, no, well, that that, that means it didn't work out. Didn't, Not that I. Well, it, 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 anyway. OK, go ahead. Yep. Mm -hmm. And stuff, you know. Um, so we didn't wind up doing a burger challenge. Boy, Freudian slip there. Um, <laughs> I wonder how good Arizona State is. And this is something I'd like to hear from you guys on. How good is Arizona State? Okay, what's the comment with all the blue hearts? Uh, let's see. Marilyn Newren. Hello. You, when your only chance of winning is taking out the QB, you're not a good team. <laughs> okay. Ideal House says PJ Fleck. What about him? Um, For Utah. Mind Axiom says, I thought Romney should have started last year over Wilson. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Now you're now you're huffing paint. Like, hey, what are you talking about? So I'll just trust the coaches this year, LOL. Uh, first, uh, CJ says, first place should be sending the Nakua's and Romney down the field for a long TD like Houston last year. 42-7. to seven. BYU brings the wheel home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mama. I thought you said 42-7. to seven. <laughs> 
God, I hope so. How awesome would that be? 42, 42 to 7. Jaron runs for three touchdowns, throws for two more. My Let's go. God, can you imagine Friday night in Provo? Yeah. There will be – if they win 42 to 7, the baked goods will be flowing like no yes. other. I mean, wow. Fat. Okay, I'll stop. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, how good is any Pac-12 team? Every year they're overrated. Like I hear, this is a year for X Pac-12 team. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. UCLA is really good. Mm. Arizona State, on the other hand, I'm still, I'm telling you, Jaden Daniels is still not an elite quarterback. Forks down. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm curious if, if ASU is going to live off that Colorado win now because you got it handed to you at, at Provo. Well, then you beat Colorado 35-13 in the mountain, mountains. mountains. Jaden Daniels threw the ball all over the field on Colorado. Well, Colorado's not great. How good is Jaden Daniels? Uh, I think he's talented. I think he's I think he's really good. I think for him though, um, the thing that he's still trying to develop is the ability to a operate in a hostile environment. Number one. Number two. He's he's trying to figure out. Uh, to me, he's still trying to figure out how to how to read a defense and really uh, dominate uh, the game from that standpoint. The pre snap stuff for him is still a work in progress, and I think that's why you saw some of the struggles that they had in Provo. You know, I think it wasn't just, it wasn't just, well, we can't figure out the snap count because the crowd is too loud. I think part of that was that he was trying to read defenses. He was trying to figure things out and, and it was just too much for him, which is why you see issues. And I think that, you know, in this game against UCLA, this, this to me, you want to talk about an exciting offensive showcase. That's what this game is. This is going to be, you know, 38-35, 38-31, like that kind of a game for sure. I don't have any doubt about that. Steve wants to know why we're not playing the locks music. I can play the locks music. You want me to play the locks music, bro? Yeah, I got let's... you, bro. Let's go. There we go. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank I got you. you, bro. I like it. Um, Here's the problem. ASU hasn't played anybody. Right. And the one team they did play, what that is. BYU won that game. Other than that, it's been Utah, UNLV, and Colorado, who, by the way, combined to score three points a week. There's not an offense in that group. Yeah, and by the way, UCLA beat LSU, which is a good win. Uh, it beat Stanford on the road when they had to have it. Another now, good win. They have bad loss mixed in there. Now, if their defense had made one more play against Fresno State. Eh, candy's a Nazi lost is what it is. You know what I mean? The offensive line has been amazing, right? I mean, it has been Charbonnet, which is not a wine. It's a running back. Uh, has been really good for UCLA. The offensive line's been a big part of that. Um, I think the biggest difference for UCLA is their defensive front um, has been a rock against the run. I mean, it, it, if you it, and digest this, who's the defense that leads the Pac-12 against the run? Oh, it's the Utah Utes. Uh, no, it's UCLA giving up 64 yards a game. UCLA. The UCLAs are kicking ass up front, and that's why they're going to beat ASU. Yeah. That's the difference in this game. Um, now, having said that, they'll give up some yards passing. Jaden Daniels hasn't proven to be a guy you can throw the whole team on his back and he'll win you a game. He can bomb it. He can send it down the field, but I agree he hasn't carried the team yet. Yeah. I think 
in my opinion, I think this is one of those games where Chip Kelly and his offense finally meet up with Chip Kelly and his defense. I think this is a 10-point win for UCLA at home. Okay. So. I'm thinking this is somewhere along the lines of 38-28. Okay. This is going to be a slugfest. I like sub-40, but, like, you know, yeah, 37, 38 points for UCLA. Uh, and I don't know. I feel like ASU is going to break 30, so I'm going to stay with 38-31. Here's something to watch. If ASU wins this game, they'll have less than eight penalties. They're averaging 11 penalties a game. Bruh. Undisciplined football, they're going to lose this game. You give UCLA DTR, you give Charbonnet. DTR. You give Chardonnay, Charbonnet. Whoever uh, he is, that guy. You know, a red wine mix. You give uh, Charbonnet and DTR an extra possession, it's over. UCLA's winning this game. And finally, Old Miss Rebel Yell. Mm -hmm. Heading to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. Roll, Roll Tide. Alabama's a 14 and a half point favorite. Yeah. The number 79. <laughs> 79. I Bro. said the over under combined between these two fine Southeastern Conference opponents. Institutions of higher learning and stuff. Okay, well, that's a lie. 79 points is the number on this Alabama Roll Tide game. What do you think of Alabama this year? Are you a. Are you an Alabama believer? I mean, they're they're the best team in the country, but I'm not a believer in that defense. I think I I think Nick Saban was 100% right and continues to be. They don't they do not have gap discipline. Their defenders do not stay home and and, and fill the gap where they need to, and so that's why they end up giving up you know seven eight yards a carry. That's why you end up having penalties and being in the wrong position and, and undisciplined football by Nick Saban standards, and and that's why I think this game against Ole Miss is going to be a shootout, no doubt about it. But you know what I love about this game? It's three thirty Eastern, one thirty Mountain. I mean, it's on CBS. The smoker's on and churning out the wings. Like, this is a game. Yes. This is a big old fucking football game. Like, this is big-time college football. Alabama, like, Bear Bryant. Like, this is a football game. And stuff. <laughs> Alabama's going to kick the crap out of Lane Kiffin and Old Miss. I love the Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban stories. I think they're fascinating. The fact that Lane Kiffin was told by Nick Saban, hey, man, I love this offense that it's a Lamborghini. The problem is you're driving it off a cliff. <laughs> like, I think that's such good stuff. And I think Nick Saban genuinely hates. Gen I think Saban hates, hates him. Yeah. He hates Lane Kiffin. Yeah. And I think, I think Nick Saban is going to have his players ready to come out and put Lane Kiffin in a pine box. Uh-huh. Hello? That's a track. It's playing. Just give Hello? it a sec. Hello? See, you just got to give it a second. Hello? Um, there's a chance after this game that Lane Kiffin won't even make the old Miss plane. He'll get fired on the – oh, wait, that happened already. <laughs> uh, I love, 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 love Alabama in this game. I love it. The Rebels defense isn't going to – stop anybody at any time yeah like lane kiffin's teams have never been great defensively but they're playing really well um 647 yards and last year's 63 to 48 lost to alabama 
that's what this uh, game's going to be. That's what this game's going to be. Turn and, up. And you know what? Frankly, I think that Bryce Young is one of the most overrated guys in the country. Can I just say, I am here for for high-scoring, crappy-ass SEC football. I'm here for it. I want to see up and down the field again and again and again, and I want to see a pick six in this game, too. I want it. It could happen. It could happen. Old Miss, I think, can score the ball. Alabama has not been Alabama. No. Until tomorrow. You I think really that think they just roll out and are, like, legit, finally. I do. This is the first game where it's been like, hey, this is a big game for Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's at home, at Bryant-Denny in Tuscaloosa, which Brian is going to be just overflowing with people who aren't vaccinated and have COVID. And it's going to be an amazing football game. That was probably too much. It's a cesspool of COVID. cesspool <laughs> of viral. I honestly think that Alabama has to prove that their issues against Florida are are fine. They're resolved, right? Mm-hmm. The defense isn't probably going to get better up front until they go out and they're better up front, and I think that happens against Old Miss. Yeah. I, I think I think Bryce Young is gonna come out and lead this offense. I think that this is going to be a shootout I think this is going to be 52-38 Alabama man that's a little lower than I thought you were going to go okay lower I I said 52-38 yeah that's low by this game Sandra look at last year's score didn't you just say last year's score was 63 to 55 or whatever guy 52 they're scoring 60 in this game 52 and 38 is 90 flipping points Alabama's putting up 60 in this game it's happening okay it's happening. Um, I'm going to take Alabama to cover, and it goes over. Yeah. No, I, I think it's I, I think it's 62-52. 10-point victory, back and forth, up and down the field, defensive scores, that kind of game. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's one of these. I can't wait. I'm totally fired up for it. I, I Is Alabama the best team in the country right now? Yeah, they are. I don't know about that. Who's better? <laughs> Georgia? Eh. You don't think Georgia? I think Georgia's right they there gotta with Alabama. They got to prove it. You got to beat the man to be the man. Yeah. You know. They've always – Georgia's the classic overhyped team. All right. Let's see what some folks are saying. How good uh, – Greg Hawkins says, I feel like ASU should be better, but for a variety of reasons they're not. I agree with that. Eric C. says, Brady Hoke to Utah. If Whit leaves, no. Not good enough. Kevin Blissett says, nope, Gary Patterson. No. Gary Patterson? Gary. Gare Spencer Bear. Morgan says, Dear God, no to Brady Hoke, please. He's like Wit 2.0 for offense. You need a guy who can recruit offense. Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson's the exact right guy. He's understated. He fits right into the culture at Utah, in Utah. He can walk into any locker room office in the state of Utah, and he can recruit their best player. If Chris Peterson was recruiting Jackson Dart, would he be at U- would he be at USC? No. It's a good question. I don't know. If Utah had a history of quarterback play, would Jackson Dart be at U at USC? I don't know. I don't think so. That kid wanted to stay home and wound up going somewhere where he could be a quarterback and get to the NFL. That ain't Utah. 
That's it's not. It isn't. Matt Turley says I think Georgia's the best team in the country. That defense is amazing, but we'll have to see against Arkansas. Can you believe how good Arkansas is right now? It's a great story. No the doubt. momentum and the energy. My God. My guy. Uh, Cody Strickland says, I can't believe the NBA starts in 19 days. Boo, yeah, right? Let's go. Yeah, let's not, let's not, not yet, not yet. I'm excited we're, we're to talk football. NBA. We're on football. Right uh, Stephen Barber, Kyle Whittingham inherited a successful program from Urban Meyer. Utah has been riding the Sugar Bowl win over Alabama for 12 years. No, they haven't. I agree that, first of all, Kyle Whittingham didn't inherit anything. He was there and helped build. He has taken the program from where it was to where it is now, which is one of the top teams in the Pac-12. I mean, pre-COVID, this was a team that was headed in the exact right direction. You guys Come realize on. they were one win away from the college football playoff, right? Come on. Like, Come on. Larry Pilgrim says, Utah has how many players without a full season of games starting? Slow your roll, people. It's a rebuild year, and Scally is a great coach. He, Morgan Scally's mm. a good coach. He's not a great coach. And that that texting scandal, you're never yeah. getting over that. Will San Diego State finally be ranked even though they're on a bye? No, they won't. James Knight says, Jake, um, is the school teacher on the road still? We'll talk about that because she did not have a date with Jake last night. The Arizona Cardinals are heading to Los Angeles to play the Rams, who should still be in St. Louis, who should still be in Anaheim. Um, how about the fact that the Rams, in my opinion, are the best team in the national football league. They're only a four point favorite at home in the stadium. They rent to the San Diego. We play in LA in the Rams stadium chargers. The Rams are only a four point favorite at home. The number's 55. Yeah. I love the Rams in this game. This is the game where Kyler Murray finally gets broken in half because that Rams defense is elite. Now, the Arizona Cardinals are an awesome offense, but they don't run the ball. And if you're not going to run the ball and Kyler Murray's running for his life, there's one weakness. Well, beyond the fact he's three foot six, there's one weakness in Kyler Murray's game. He does not like to get hit. Yeah. Kyler Murray does not like to be tackled. Oh, and you're going to get tackled against the Los Angeles Rams. I'm all day on the Rams in this game, Jake. I love them to cover the four plus. But I think this this probably goes a little bit under the 55. Yeah, I would agree. I think this is the the Rams are going to win this game. Uh, I think they will win it with defense, though. I think they will force Kyler Murray into a turnover. He's shown the ability to take risk and and not be scared to put the ball in dangerous situations. Yes. So I think that I think that the Rams will will end this game with a pick. Um, but overall, yeah. I, I if you're asking me, hey, are they going to be able to go up and down the field? On the Cardinals' defense, I don't know about that. I think the Cardinals have an elite defensive line, and I think the secondary is more than good enough to make it tough on you. So, to me, um, what did you say? The, the It was 52, 55. right? 55. 55. I mean, yeah, I think you're probably under that. This feels like a this feels like a, a 20s game, you know, uh, uh, a tighter, like, 27, 21-ish maybe something like that i love the rams in this game i think it's gonna be 28 17 okay and i think the rams defense is pick six and for sure because i agree with you that kyler murray has a propensity to get hit and all of a sudden the ball's going where the ball shouldn't go carolina panthers 
at the Dallas mother flipping Cowboys. The Darnolds. Jarrah, uh, 51 and a half, and the Dallas Cowboys are a four and a half point favorite. There should be no other name in the NFL MVP race than Dak Prescott. Watching him play last week, watching him be in full command of the huddle, the sideline, the the the, the playbook, watching him talk to the defense. Mm-hmm. This is Dak Prescott's football team. Watching him pump up his best friend on planet Earth, which would be Ezekiel Elliott, everybody's favorite domestic abuser. I think Ezekiel... What? <laughs> what? I hate Ohio State. Anyway, the point is, I think everybody recognizes that Ezekiel Elliott is a critical part of this offense. He's back. Those legs are driving. They're a two-headed monster with, with Pollard. I love the Dallas Cowboys in this game. I like Sam Darnold. I think he's done some cute little things. Uh, but that all comes to an end against what's been a really good secondary for the Dallas Cowboys. 31-12. to 12. The Dallas Cowboys are going to steamroll the Panthers. 35-17, Cowboys. Wow. Control. Domination. So yep. you're putting it right at 52. It's going over the 51 and a half. Yes. Love the Cowboys. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, I'm sorry. The Tommies. The Tommies. Tommy Brady and some team from Tampa uh, are going to New England to absolutely crush the souls of Patriot fans. These two teams are at different places in different times, and they're both going to wind up at Gillette Stadium on Sunday. And Tommy is going to win this game for one simple reason. The Bucs defense is just too good for what is a pretty bad Patriots offense with a rookie quarterback and Mac Jones. I just don't think Mac Jones is ready to play a defense of that caliber, and that's what we've seen. He does not have wide receivers. Nikhil Harry's been a huge disappointment. He does not have wide receivers who can make big plays in big moments. I don't even think there's much to talk about. Bucks are covering the seven. This goes over the 49. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think this is the Bucks all day. And I think that it, it just has been overhyped with the TB12 versus, versus Belichick thing. At the end of the day, the Bucks are a better team with more talent, uh, and, and they should go on the road and get this win. So, yeah, I, I don't, I have trouble seeing 30 points against a Bill Belichick-led defense, but uh, I could easily see a 27, you know, 27-17, 10-point cruising victory. Jeremy Bolton says Tommy's going to throw for nine TDs. Tommy. He spells Tommy. T-U-U-A-M-M-M-M-Y. Tommy. Tommy. Tommy Brady. Uh, Giggity says, does Tommy run the score up as an F-U to Belichick? Yes. Man, I hope so. Yes. I hope so. It's must-watch TV, dude. I hope Tommy goes there and gets revenge for the, the tuck rule game in the snow where Rich Gannon didn't. Bro, you know, you're still holding on to that. Get the chance to win. Even though you're not a Raider because fan. Because Tommy fumbled. You're still holding on to that. Charles... Greg, you're not a Raider fan. Greg Beekert, there's a name from the past. Greg Mother Beekert recovered that ball. Screw you, Bill Belichick. Tommy Brady's winning the game. Now, before we get to the biggest game of the week, let's talk about the worst game of the week. It's the Detroit Lions going to Chicago to take on the Arlington Heights Bears. <laughs> the Ar I said the Arlington you Heights. You said the Arlington Heights Bears, dude. The Bears are moving to Arlington Heights in the future. We don't know when yet. But right now they play in Chicago, and they're bad. Well, because they're the Chicago Bears. They're always bad. That's just who the Bears are. They don't football well, right? Uh, the Lions 
could potentially end Matt Nagy as the head coach of the Bears. The Jared Goffs. Jesus, please hear me. Wait, hold on. Are you rooting for the Bears to get their ass kicked so that Nagy and that embarrassment of a front you know, office will get fired? I'm actually hoping that Jared Goff runs a, you know, like runs an out. Like they roll him out to the Bears' sideline and he accidentally breaks both of Matt Nagy's legs falling out of bounds. I mean, darn. You know, it could happen. Be a real um, shame if he got taken off on a cart. That's probably not good karma. What? Um, Matt Nagy sucks as a head coach, as a play caller. Uh, generally as a football man, and he has no hair because, well, he has no testosterone nice visor, in his body bud. either. And he doesn't have any balls, and that's why the Bears suck. Now, he supposedly... Allegedly. Now, supposedly, he's going to turn the play calling over to Bill Lazor, who is the offensive coordinator, so we'll know how that turns out because it won't be well. Justin Fields has practiced in full all week. He's fine. Oh, play Nick Foles! Let's play Nick Foles. That'll be fun, Daddy. Fuck Nick Foles. <laughs> We're playing Justin Fields. I'm going to hang my 10-foot Chicago Bears flag outside Bro, my this house. This flag is so big, you had to get a bigger flagpole. Yeah, you would know about flagpoles, wouldn't you? No, yeah, you wouldn't, yeah, actually. I would. I want the Bears to lose this game badly. And I want Matt Nagy to get fired. And I want Ryan Pace to pack his bags, too, and get the hell out of town. The problem is, I worry that the Arlington Heights Bears are actually going to win this game, which would be really bad for Bears fans. So I'm going to give all of my chi and karma, my my wisdom, my pressure points, Captain. Let's go Lions. I think the Lions are going to score 12 points, and this is going to be like a 12-6 Lions win. It is win. Uh, 12 to 3. With two minutes to go in the game. I think this is a low-scoring game. This is the lowest number of the day. The over-under in Vegas is 41 and a half. 17 to 10 Lions. Dick. Um, I think this is going to be 17 to 10. 46 to 3. I mean, that could happen. Uh, 41 and a half to nothing. Go Lions. I think this is literally, I think it's going to be 17-10, 17-14. Yeah. It's going to be a close game. I think the Lions win and cover. And finally, the game of the week. The biggest game in the National Football League. I don't know why I'm waving my arms. Yeah, I don't know what those uh, gestures were, but. It is another MVP candidate, Derek Carr. And Derek. the Oakland Football Las Vegas Raiders. Taking on the greatest quarterback who's ever lived. That sex machine reproducing sculpture. Tom Brady. Justin Haybear. Oh. <laughs> Justin Herbert. My wife's like, wait, when did you play for the other team? Never. Uh, the point is, the point is, let me fantasize about having hair like that. Oh, my God. Anyway, the point is, Justin Haybear is quite oh, a quarterback. Are you okay over there? I'm not. I really feel like I have mental disease. Okay. But the point is, okay. Justin Herbert and the San Diego Chargers, who rent the L.A. SoFi Stadium from the Rams, um, are going to host the Oakland football Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders. Raiders and Charger, baby. It's Raider week. It's Charger week. Let's freaking do this. Derek Carr is playing incredible football right now. They're getting great play out of their wide receivers. Their explosiveness is admirable, if not enviable. 
but they're never going to be able to shut down Justin Haybear. This San Diego LA Charger football team, I love watching him play. Justin Herbert's a great quarterback. He is the best young quarterback in the NFL. I put him right up there with Tommy. Tommy. At Tommy's age, he's not that good. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Tommy. Is he better than Nick Chubb? No, Nick Chubb has got him beat by like six inches. Okay. But the point is, when I look at Justin Herbert, this is a guy that knows how to play football. This is a guy who throws deep. He goes deep. His balls go deep. And <laughs> I'm just going to pick the Chargers You're to win this child, game. You're a child, bro. <laughs> the Chargers win and cover. This feels like a 27-21 win for the Chargers. But I think there's absolutely every chance the Raiders could win the game. But if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, so good luck. Uh, 27-21, Chargers win the game. 35-21, Chargers win going away. All Sander Plummer says, sadly, 50-17, to KC over my Eagles. The Utah Chargers, doesn't that sound futuristically awesome? It does. The Nye guy also says, Chargers uh, 28, the Raiders, the Raiders 13. Giggity says, Chargers are going to walk all over the Raiders. No, they're not. You watch your mouth, Giggity. Uh, James Knight says, Jake, you do realize the school teacher has set the GPS to pound town. Yes, I know. I know. Yes. Yes. Just so you can go to pound town. Yes, I know. Cody Strickland says, 54-14 BYU. Aggie tears. Tanner Plummer says, watch it, Monty. Like it or not, Nick Foles is still a Super Bowl MVP. Hold Um, on to that. Like, grasp it very close to your loins. Um... (laughs) <laughs> Super Bowl MVP. What is you know? Hello, man. Tanner Plummer's the kind of guy. He's the types of dude that has a leather couch and baby oil in the in the side compartment. What's up, um, motherfuckers? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Calvin John. That was too. <laughs> it's Friday. I'm just going. It back. is what it I'm is. I'm going back to bed. Calvin Johnson says Raiders 31, Chargers 21. <laughs> Um, all roads lead to Levi Lovin. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, non-sports. Wow. Let's talk about KSL Radio and the Zone Sports Network. Um, this is a big deal. For those of you not in the great state of Utah, it's the Beehive State. Um, <laughs> wow. I don't know. Uh, for those of you not here in the great state of Utah, uh, KSL is the predominant news brand here in the Beehive State. Um, they are owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, they are the preeminent voice of news. They are the flagship station of the BYU Cougars. God bless. And, <laughs> thank you. And um, they essentially took over management. They did not buy the Zone Sports Network. They took over management and operations of 1280 and 97.5 The Zone. And they immediately fired Gordon Monson. Bye-bye. Um, came up with that shit. Need to be fired. And his producer, Austin Horton. We'll see ya. Was this a good day for Utah Sports Radio? At the end, yes, probably. Because KSL is very good at KSLing. This is, I mean, think about WBBM Chicago. Think about, you know, 1010 wins in New York. KNX 1070 in LA. 
the great radio stations that do news, KGOA 10 in San Francisco, that's who KSL Salt Lake is. All very, very good. Bonneville International, owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. God bless. Uh, which is, by the way, um, run by Tim Tebow. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the point is, <laughs> shut up, Jake. God the bless. point is, Bonneville and KSL are owned by the church. And there's a lot of fear that they will turn the zone, sports network, into BYU radio. Now, my guess is that doesn't happen. Because what's the church best at? Well, that would be printing and making money. Mm -hmm. And you don't print and make money by excluding half of the fan base in the state of Utah. Right. Now, let's get real. Let's keep it real on the state of Utah radio. Uh -huh. It's not very good. Right. Especially when it comes to sports. I have a lot of respect for what guys like Spence Checkets do at ESPN 700. I really do. I think they're up against it. They are branded as, as Utah content. They don't talk very much BYU at all, if ever. So you lose a massive fan base in BYU. Massive. And I'll go back to our days at 1320K Fan, the sports leader. Um, back in the day, our philosophy was we are going to talk about the teams that our listeners care about. When we, when I got there, it was a lot of Utah talk. A lot of Utah, a lot of Utah, a lot of Utah. And really what had been working was Gunther and Ben had started talking more BYU. So the ratings had started creeping up. Mm -hmm. And so when I got there, our philosophy was, okay, we're going to talk about BYU and Utah. This idea of being exclusionary on one side or the other just wasn't going to work. And what happened? We became number one. Gunther and Ben, Gunther and I, when we were in the afternoon together, which was not fun. Uh, but anyway, the point is, when Gunther and I were in the afternoon, we were number one. When Gunther and Ben got together, they were number one. When when Will Smith, uh, Ben Napoleon Wilson, um, and I were doing mornings, we were occasionally number one but we were consistently pushing to be number one in the morning we made a ton of money and we did that because we played to who our listeners wanted to hear about so we did branded BYU content we did branded Utah content we even did we even did freaking Utah State which yeah. was clearly a waste of time um I kid Aggie tears but we won and we made almost a million dollars a year by playing to what our listeners cared about. And I don't feel like that happens in this town very often. And the reason I don't listen, I can listen to Spence occasionally, but the reason I wind up listening to podcasts and the reason I wind up listening to sports radio in Chicago on my, on my iPhone is because I'm not in the car. And most people are not. And what we've lost focus on is winning on the iPhone and the Android, which, well, nobody wants Android users to listen to yeah, their I show. Mean, on, I mean, dude. let's come be on. honest. Because it's garbage. But if you have to, you have to. But you need people to, you need people to find you where they want to be found. And so the biggest problem I, that I see at the zone is one, Jake hates the zone. Yeah. And Jake is the age group that matters now. 28 to 54, 25 to 54 is the real number. Yeah. But 25 to 54, 
They don't listen in the car. They listen on their phone. They listen on their computer at work. And furthermore, they don't listen. They watch. Yeah. Like, and it's Which one of those Which is the more things, glaring thing that's missing. It's amazing. Like, I listen to the score, Sports Radio 670 Chicago. And what do they talk about? Hey, make sure you watch us on the Score Twitch channel. Hey, make sure you watch us live streaming here. Right? What does the zone do? Oh, well, you know, we're going to podcast this interview. <laughs> that doesn't work. Because just because just you interviewed Jimmy the plumber about BYU football and then you podcasted it doesn't mean that people want to hear that. What's the point? People want live right now. What is the advantage that Sports Talk Radio has? It's live and it's right now. It's live and it's right now. But the problem is there's such a lack of discipline. One of the tenets in sports radio, in talk radio in general, be on time. If you just are on time, which means, hey, you need your talent. So who's your favorite talk show? Spence Checkets. That's the only guy I really listen to. Spence Checkets needs to be talking at 0-0 on the clock. When his show starts at 2 o'clock, I need him talking at 2 o'clock. Problem is, he just starts talking to like 2.05. So he loses me. Because guess what happens? I'm done working out at 1.55 pretty much every day. I get in the car at Vaza Fitness, and I flip on, and I hear his theme song playing for like two minutes. And I've already backed into the garage, and I'm getting out of the car. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I don't know who's coming on his show. I don't know what he's going to run on about. So I'm not going into the house and turning on the ESPN 700 stream. That's why I don't listen to Spence Checkets every day because yeah. he's late all the time. Hands and Scotty G, I go to get my shot the other day, my my vaccine. You're a sheep. You're a sheep. That could be true. I am a sheep. Um, but the point is, when I'm getting the shot, I'm listening to Hands and Scotty G. I drove all the way down Bangor to 4700 to the U Health Clinic there, got my shot, drove all the way home. Yeah, that's kind of that's not that's no short trip. Didn't hear one iota of sports talk on that show. Not one moment did they talk about sports. You know what they were talking about? They were talking about that, that you know, Scotty G snores. And funny, we've been talking about this. But Scotty G snores and he wears a mouthpiece. Oh, and let's put the doctor on who sold us the mouthpiece. And then we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And Hans wants to talk about how his wife and his mom and his son and his kids and his candy and food. And it's like, fuck, man, it's the top of the hour. Give me something to hang on to. Like Utah football? Give me and, and what is Scotty G? Scotty G's the voice of the Utah State Aggies. Talk to me about Utah State and BYU at the top of the hour. Right flipping now. And when you come back, is it too much to ask when you come back from break to say, hey, hands in Scotty G, 1280 of the zone, the biggest stories in sports today are X, Y, and Z. And then give me two minutes on the biggest story in sports. Hey, by the way, let's transition into... Every freaking Tuesday, it's Quinn Snyder on the Hands and Scotty G show. Now, why don't I like Gordon Monson? Well, I don't like his style because he's slow and he's plodding and he's methodical. That's not what you need. Okay, so I like Jake Scott a lot, but I could never listen to that show. When we were going to jazz games last year, we tried to listen to the big show and it's just unlistenable. It, it, because Gordon's past his prime. Yeah. I mean, if he ever had a fastball, it's been long gone. Yeah. So I understand 
A, he writes for the Salt Lake Tribune. A lot of people are like, oh, man, the church fired Gordon Monson from the radio. No, they didn't. KSL doesn't want a Salt Lake Tribune guy on their station every day in afternoon drive. They don't. Why would you? You don't. That's your The Salt Lake Tribune is KSL's main competitor. Because, by the way, what does KSL do really well? Digital. Yeah, really well. KSL Sports, KSL.com. And what does KSL have that the zone doesn't? Young, hip talent. Mitch Harper and Ben Anderson are two of the best guys at what they do, covering the Jazz and BYU sports. Yep. The zone has nobody like that. By the way, here's the other thing that I think you need to talk about. Ask yourself this question. Who is the average listener that listens to DJ and PK into Hands and Scotty, into the big show? Well, let's see. DJ and PK, with all due respect, those guys have, are aged out. Those guys are 60 years old. Hands, nobody knows that Hans Olsen played football. Nobody. Nobody that you want to know knows that Hans Olsen played football. They don't know who Scotty G is. They don't. Sorry. Yeah, everybody thinks, well, Hans played at BYU. He's been on the radio for decades. I mean, people know who Hans Olsen is. I don't. He's You're 28 years old about to be. Not from this market? Not born and raised in this market. Have essentially been involved since 2014 or 2013 in this market. And you have no idea that Hans Olsen played at BYU. You don't know who Scotty G is. So the issue is that you have older talent. We've already talked about Gordon Monson. And here's the question. And think about Bill Riley and think about Spence Checkets at ESPN 700. Who's the big dog of sports talk in this town? There isn't one. It doesn't exist, and it hasn't existed in 10 years. Just, I mean, very seriously. Who is the big-time personality? Oh, snap. Kyle Whittingham's retiring. I have to go turn on because you're not going to the zone. You want to hear Hans Olsen talk about Kyle Whittingham? I, with all due respect to Spence Checkets, I'm not enamored with him talking about Kyle Whittingham. Yeah. Because what are we going to get? We're going to get old guy stories. It's just undisciplined radio. It's not opinion-driven conversation. Phoenix. Who's the number one sports talk personality in Phoenix? John Gambadoro. Who's the number one sports talk talent in San Francisco? Tom Tolbert. Like I, I mean, all the great cities, all the great sports towns have magnetic personalities where you're like, oh, God, Kyle Whittingham's retiring. I got to go listen to Casper the Ghost. There's nobody here. The talent, and, and again, I'm not talking about myself. I'm not a great radio. It is what it is. There's no great sports talk radio host on the radio in Salt Lake City. They don't exist. The shame. And by the way, for all the hate that Kyle Gunther gets, if Kyle Gunther was on the radio today and Kyle Whittingham retired, I'd be fucking listening to Kyle Gunther talk about Kyle Whittingham. Why? Because he played for Kyle Whittingham. He knows Kyle Whittingham. They have a relationship. By the way, who's that guy? Okay, oh man, Kalani Sataki retires. Okay, I've got five guys I can go listen to. You want to know the shame of it? Ben Krill would be the first guy you'd probably try to turn on if, if Kalani Sataki retires. Or some, Kalani goes to USC. React. Where are you going to go? Okay, now I might go listen to Hands, only if I know that Hands went there. I'm not going to DJ and PK. I'm not going to the big show. There's a glaring opportunity, man. It's so thirsty. I'm not. You know who I want to hear if Kalani Sataki, if something happens at BYU, you know who I want to hear? I want to hear Greg Rebell. 
I want Greg's opinion. Give me Greg Rebell if something happens at BYU. If something happens to the Jazz, is there a Jazz player that used to be a Jazz player who's on the radio every day now? No. There will be. I guarantee you that. I guarantee it. There will be a former Jazz player on the radio every day. I guarantee you Quinn Snyder will be on KSL once a week doing the coaches show. There is no doubt in my mind about that. Mark it up. By the way, guarantee you, where's Dwayne Wade doing a weekly show, a monthly show? That's going to happen now. Because the other issue is, like you talked about, the undisciplined nature that is talk radio. Yeah. That's the problem. And you know who are, you know who the best hosts in the country are? The guys who have somebody standing behind them that will yell and scream at them and tell them you cannot do that. So I'll tell a quick story. St. Louis, I moved there. Hated St. Louis. Diehard Cubs fan. They started a radio station owned by the Cardinals. They hired me to be their lead sports voice. So I had a program director named Al Brady Law who was an absolute... That guy walked around with a nutcracker in his pocket. He used to be the program director for Howard Stern, like... So he said, you know, you are incredibly talented. I need you not to do sports for us anymore. I need you to be in morning drive doing news talk. Okay. Every day that guy would come into my office after the show and yell at me for like the first three months I was doing morning. I will downsize your face with a shovel. And I mean right here. Yelling, cursing, screaming at me. My God, did that make me better. He taught me more than I will ever have learned about talk radio in three months. Who's going to go up to Scotty G and say, hey, Scotty G, you can't spend an hour talking about not sports. Who's going to go up to Gordon Monson and say, Gordo, look, man, we need more energy. We need the show to move a little faster. Yeah, nobody. That's why he's not employed. Who's going to go up to Spence Checkets and say, Spence, we need. The problem with Spence, Spence is low energy. Spence is not high-energy, big-opinion guy. Spence is low-energy, cross the board. He's on the radio probably because his last name is Chuckets, but he's a really good talk show host. The issue is they have nobody to backstop them. Who's going to tell the program director of that station, Bill Riley, hey, you got to be on time and you got to maybe like just give an opinion? Like That's we- the real issue. That's doesn't real, give opinions. I, I think that's the real issue in, in sports talk radio on the whole. You know, like I know Rome has been on the radio for decades at this point, And, you know, you know who Rome is. He's got a style like it's not for everybody. Like I get all that. But the one thing that he does and the reason I'm able to listen to him and, and I word that very specifically. Right. Notice I didn't say I wanted to listen to Rome. Right. What did I say? I'm able to listen to yes. Rome. Yes. is because he's on sports. He's on time, typically. He is He is giving Jake, me Jake, life stuff. St- stop. You flipped on Jim Rome right now. What are you going to get? I'm probably going to get an Aaron Rodgers take. Or I'm probably going to get – today I can guarantee you he's talking about TB12 versus the hoodie. Guaranteed. You turn on Hans Olsen today. What are you going to get? I don't know because I don't listen. Sports Talk Radio, why do you guys come here every morning? Why do we have about 10,000 people a day who listen to our our, our content? Like we just the other day we did the biggest day we've ever had last week. I think it was like thirty-seven thousand or something stupid. Why do people come to this show? Because you know every day that you're going to get the biggest story, usually in Utah sports, in the Pac-12, in the NBA, and in the NFL. 
You know when something happens, we're going to be on that story, right? But you also know we're going to talk about our decks, Jake's virginity. Um, you know, like we're gonna, we, we, you know what you're going to get when you, we're not going to be all pissed off and yelling and screaming at you. Like we laugh, we have a good time. You have to know what you're going to get when you flip on the radio. Yeah. I know what I get when I turn on Gordon Monson. I'm going to get, well, well, Jake, like that's what I'm going to get. You know what I'm going to get? Gordon's going to show up three to five minutes late every day and nobody's going to do anything about it. That's what I'm going to get. And when I, I flip on Spence Checkets, I'm going to get a beautiful sum, summer, summer day here in, in, in Utah. Here's my guest lineup that I'm going to talk about for the next 10 minutes. And then I'm going to bring in, and he's got, a, he's got great producers behind the scene. He'll bring in his producer. They'll talk about whatever's going on in their life. He'll take a break. And then he'll come back and start talking about sports. I think a lot of... Can't do it. I think the average host thinks they can just get on the on the on the mic and just kind of float through it. Yeah. Like just kind of just kind of wander, just sort of talk about our life and yep. and it's like the word that I always come back to when we have these like radio, like the state of radio, radio versus podcasts, like this kind of conversation is tactical. Radio is a tactical business. You are you are not just getting on the radio to talk about what you want to talk about. It's not about what it's not about no. you. It's about now, the person listening. I will say, you guys know what you're going to get when you come here every day. We're going to do probably an hour of sports, and then we're gonna, probably going to do about 20 minutes of not sports. You know that chapter and verse. You almost know the time that we're going to be doing that. And the thing that is really hard is I just don't think there's any discipline here. This market is so desperate for a third radio station that will be local yeah, and just kick the crap out of people. Yeah, And I'm telling you, 1320K fan in 2014 – Build eight hundred and fifty four thousand dollars, and the next year Cumulus stole the sold the station, shut it down, sold it because they sold the land and the transmitter, because they were in bankruptcy, and this market's never recovered from that. When are we ever going to get another? And and a lot of people ask me this too. This was on Twitter yesterday. You can see it. A lot of people ask me about Gunther. I don't know where Gunther is. A B, this market needs somebody like that. Do you guys remember Jan and Gunther on the radio together with the Red and Blue show? You guys remember that? Jan and Gunther, huge personalities. Where's Brady Papinga? Why is Brady Papinga? Twitter. Why That's is Brady is. not a guest on, on shows every week here? During BYU football, are you telling me you wouldn't listen to Brady Papinga? Are you telling me like we used to put John Beck on every week uh, with Gunther and Ben, the John Beck show? And people loved that. L ate it up. We did man camp one year and we so had Johnny Harleen and John Beck at man camp talking about Beck to Harleen. Nobody here does that. Nobody here does the, the events where you have like KMBR San Francisco does this great thing. Dinner with a legend once a month, Willie Mays, Joe Montana. Give me, give me those big names. We have such a great, where is dinner with John Stockton? Bro, radio has such an opportunity that 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 yes. that's the thing that radio can do that we probably can't do. We don't, you know, a, a podcast does not have the ability to to put names like that together. That's the thing. And and that's it's just sad, man. It's sad. All right, let me get some of your um Let's see. Anyone go to the NHL game last night in SLC pretty mediocre hockey preseason at its finest? Um, let me go back up to the top here. Wow. There's a lot of you commenting on this. 
Uh, Brylark says, if Kyle Winningham retires, you bet I'm tuning into the Monty Show at 6.30-ish. Thank you. Um, <laughs> don't be critical. You have no idea how difficult it is to create a high-quality show. It's very difficult. Uh, we know how di- We definitely know how difficult it is. We do it every it day. Yeah. Um, let's see. Wow, there's a lot of you commenting. Uh, radio show started 07 after and then immediately start the infomercial with their remote host. True. What about the endless egg commercial, ED commercials on 1280? Yeah. Sweet mother of Mary, there are so many ED commercials because it's it's men. Do you know how many men fight erectile dysfunction and won't talk about it? it it's a lot. Um, Brylark says, Monty talking about the importance of being on time is hilarious. But I do YouTube. I don't have rules. I'm not... I'm I'm not beholden to the clock. Bro, do you guys realize what this is sitting behind his shoulder? Do you get what th- what this is right here? This is our show being voted the best show <laughs> in the Phoenix market going up against the ESPN behemoth because we were on time. This is not a radio show. Yeah, this is totally different. It's two different. different products. This is a podcast on YouTube. Yeah. Right? Um, like, it's different. Calvin Johnson, is Gunther still working in sports media? He is not, to my knowledge. Don't be so critical. You have no idea how difficult it is to create a high-quality show. I agree with that. Would you guys consider going on Utah Sports Radio? Uh, Tanner says. Ace says Ace's wife now, and there it goes. Uh, <laughs> giggity, yeah, floppy like lime jello. Yeah, okay, ED comments. Um, you know, everybody asks this too. Why aren't you guys on the radio? Because we can't do what we would want to do in this radio climate. I mean, it's very difficult to, we don't, uh, we seriously don't have rules. We can do two hours, an hour, 30 minutes. We can do whatever we want. We talk about what we want. We occasionally use some colorful language if we want. What's up, motherfuckers? Like, I mean, <laughs> you can't play that drop on KSL, right? I mean, the issue is not, would we do a radio show? I would. The problem, here's, here are the issues straight away. I make way too much money at Yelp. Like I am, I'm not going to, I obviously I'm not going to say what I make, but I make incredible money at Yelp and I get to do whatever I want on this show. I have no rules and I have nobody telling me what to do. Yeah. And the show's growing exponentially. I have more listeners now than most radio shows in this state have. That's craziness. Do you understand that on the radio, you're probably playing to 10,000 people maybe. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing that every day. Yeah. Like there's, they, that's the reason. Utah needs a Colin Coward type, somebody who has an opinion-driven hot take. Everybody in Utah tries to be so Dan Lebitard. Try to be funny, relatable guy. Need more variety. But that's the thing. You just need to be you. Yeah. There's no magnetic personality here. Yeah. There, there just isn't. Uh, Gunther and Ben did Utah football analysis the best when they were on. Yeah. That's why we put them together. Gunther and Ben were fantastic. 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 They were really, really good. Yes. I, I don't know where Brian Swinney is. I don't know. Brian was great. I liked Brian Swinney. I, I'm I'm a huge Swinney guy. I believe that we gave him his first radio job at KFAN. We, we started a lot of current people in this town. We put Mitch Harper on. Ben Anderson, we put him on in the afternoon. Um, You know, like, it, it, I, we gave a lot of people their shot. Because that's what you need. You need young talent that you can grow and develop. That's the way it works. You know, like, yeah. It is what it is. Tanner says, Calvin Johnson, the Utah Colin Cowherd is Monty. Uh, oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Matt Harpering? I don't know what Matt Harpering's doing. 
I don't know that Matt would give up his life to do radio every day. I really don't. Ethan Larson says the Red and Blue show with Jan and Gunther was my favorite show back in the day. Pissed me off when they got rid of them. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy said, I love the Red and Blue show. That was really good. Yeah. I mean, you can see that you can see that there is a lot of love for the personality. Yes. You don't tune in for the show. You tune in for the hosts. Yes. So. Yes. Overall, I think it was a, at the end of the day, this will be a good move for Salt Lake City. But there, this town needs a third station desperately, desperately. Even if it's just what we did at KFAM, where you just have an afternoon show yeah. and you're running CBS Sports or Fox Sports Radio the rest of the day, whatever it is. But just be uber local. Just be there all the time. I personally think you need a morning show and an afternoon show to win. Yeah. Um, and then run syndication the rest of the day. But is what it is. You know. I mean, it. It's. Um. You, you just you I I do miss being on the radio, but that's the greatness of what what this show has become. And this is the offshoot of the pandemic. You can't just flip on the mic and do anything you want anymore. Yeah, you can't. You know, Gotta like be tactical. You, you have be to be tactical about it. Um, and I love I loved being on the radio. I love being local. I love I. It's fun, but man, it's the instability of it. Like I'll never knock on wood. I will likely never lose my job at Yelp. I won't. I, I, I'm a top producer. I make really good money. They take care of me. I have benefits that are incredible. Mm -hmm. I will likely never lose my job at Yelp. I cannot say the same for any radio personality in this town. It is just, it is such a hard stop that nine times out of 10, you don't see coming. Yeah. You know, it's like rough. it's, it's, it's rough. Um, Curtis Garbett says on fire. Monty is in fuego. The comedy is on point this morning, boys. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, authenticity is what sells nowadays. Correct. Cody Strickland says, can we talk about the, uh, bigger, better things? The NBA now body fully shaking. I, I like, we're going to get into a lot of NBA. I I've actually enjoyed not talking NBA, like talking football has been fun. Yeah. And the passion of BYU and Utah fans. Yep. Like, I mean, it's awesome. It, it, and that's why YouTube's great. Like you can, you can talk about anything you want, including the fact we have to go so yeah good talk this is good it's been fun this is really good i i love i love talking about the radio business yeah i um i uh, let me let me put it this way i have no doubt in the right situation that that this show could could dominate things i have no if we doubt. were on the radio i think we would do well yeah. I, we know how to play the radio game though yeah so i i think we would do well i don't know you know uh you guys may be local but your reach is outstanding hello from australia james knight says hey Australia, the Philippines, we have a ton of European listeners. But again, that's YouTube. That's YouTube SEO. Using tags, titles, you know, thumbnails. That's how YouTube works. Got to know how to play the game. That's in, you know, using TikTok and Twitter to drive your listenership. That's how it works. You know, more like the passion of Aztecs fans, Eric C says. So, Eric C, you're a big Aztec fan. You're happy this year. Who are happy this year. Uh, all right, play the music because we really do have to go. Um, and with that, I'll say we really appreciate you guys being here. Another week is down. Um, and right. we we could not do this show without you guys. I mean, it's the growth on this show has been crazy. Please give us a thumbs up if you're here listening. It really helps the channel grow if you hit like. Um, subscriber count real quick. Yes, I can give that to you. Uh, 2,283. 
Jeremy Bolton says, peace. Love the show. Thank you. Greg Hawkins says, great show. Cody Strickland says, Traeger. I'm Coming. Q Sam says, I'm from Finland. Ah, oh, Q Sam, thanks for being here, man. Love the Finns. Until Monday, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.